Welcome to session five of Keys to Health, Wholeness and Fruitfulness, which is called Free to Choose. We've looked at our spirit, our mind, our emotions, and today we're going to consider our will, which is our God-given ability to make decisions and choices. Now, God gives us clear guidelines in the Bible as to how we should live. As C.H. Spurgeon said, there is nothing in the law of God that will rob you of happiness. It only denies you that which would cause you sorrow. So the guidelines are there because God loves you and he wants you to be fruitful and whole. God could have set out his laws and then made us like robots so that if we wanted to disobey him, perhaps criticise what somebody else believes or lash out against them in anger, we'd find that we just couldn't do it. The words wouldn't come out of our mouth or our Our fist would meet an invisible barrier just before the jaw. But he didn't do that. Instead, he tells us the consequences of a particular choice, and then he leaves us completely free to choose whether to obey or not. He gives us free will. Now, he doesn't want us to obey him because we feel forced to, out of obligation or fear, or to earn his love. His desire is for us to obey him because we freely choose to, out of our love for him. But as we've seen already, we reap what we sow. God said to Adam and Eve, you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. So there's the guideline and the consequence. They were totally free to choose, but when they chose to disobey, their spirits did die. They reaped what they sowed. Adam and Eve's sin also had huge consequences for all their descendants, including us. We were all born spiritually dead, separated from God. So we're reaping what they sowed. So since we didn't have the spirit of God to guide us, we grew up following the ways of the world and we were inclined to disobedience. We developed all that faulty programming that the Bible calls the flesh. And as a result, we made bad choices. Paul puts it like this. He says we were slaves of sin. In other words, we were drawn to sin again and again, as if it were a great big magnet. There's a passage in Romans 7 where Paul describes exactly what it's like to be drawn to something you know is wrong and ultimately harms you but you just keep going back to it. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate, I do. The big question that theologians ask about that passage is whether or not Paul was talking about himself before he knew Jesus or after. What do you think? It puzzles them because, of course, if you follow Jesus, you have a new nature and a new identity. You're a whole new person. Your needs for security, significance and acceptance are completely met in Jesus. And he's taken away all your guilt and shame. So why would a Christian get caught in sin? In 1 Corinthians, some of the Corinthians are quoting a saying, I have the right to do anything. Now, Paul doesn't contradict them, but what he does say is this, but not everything is beneficial. 
I have the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything. So in other words, even Christians who've been set free by Jesus can allow things to master them again. Even good and wholesome things can master us. If we cross a line and we start using them to fill places in our lives which were meant to be filled by God. So we feel a pull that we don't seem able to resist and we become slaves again. The start of the slippery slope is when we forget who we are now. When the enemy deceives us into sin, which gives him a foothold. Or when we don't take every thought captive and we just follow our old default ways of thinking. And then we return to being a slave to sin. So yes, a Christian who's been set free can be deceived into giving up their freedom. So Paul certainly could be talking about his experience as a Christian. Now, God doesn't love us any less if we get into that situation because our amazing new identity hasn't changed. There's still no condemnation from God. But what is at stake is not our salvation, but our fruitfulness and our peace. Jesus came specifically to break the cycle, to overcome the power of the magnet. And this is what he said. Very truly, I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you are free indeed. Now, by the time we finish this session, we want you to know how to escape from slavery to sin and know how to live free lives. When people don't seem able to stop themselves doing things um, that they know are harmful, we might perhaps talk of an addiction. Society views some addictive behaviours as harmful, but is more indulgent towards others depending usually on the amount of harm that they cause to society. Now, in your participant's guide, there's a list of things to check to see if you're in danger of developing a full-blown addiction. Since we've been set free by Jesus, we don't want to return to being a slave to anything at all, do we? But when we turn to things other than God to fulfill those legitimate needs that we have for security, significance and acceptance, we're at risk of becoming slaves to those things. Psychologists tell us that there are other factors that lead to addiction too. Trying to numb psychological or emotional pain, usually caused by past events, or to try and cope with stress, or because life somehow feels unsatisfactory. Or maybe there's a need to overcome social inhibitions in order to be liked or to fit in. Or a deep dislike or hate of self, which the addiction can reinforce. The harm caused by addiction is devastating. In the USA alone, every 50 seconds somebody dies because of issues related to drug, alcohol and tobacco misuse. And for every death from alcohol, there were 500 other people who were suffering adverse health issues because of it. Things like high blood pressure, liver cirrhosis, to say nothing of mental health problems, 
and then all the social issues such as domestic violence and homelessness and crime. And in Europe and the United States, the death toll from obesity is second only to tobacco. So the health impact is enormous. One in four internet searches results in viewing pornography. So the gift is perverted into a compulsion that can affect our mental health and it can pollute marriages. Children as young as 11 are addicted to casino games online. Debt and mental health issues and family breakdown, huge issues for long-term gamblers. But we want to take care not to let anything master us, even things that aren't bad for us in themselves. Do you need several coffees to get you going through the morning? Or do you lose control with online shopping? Or is there the thought to check your phone constantly popping into your mind when you're doing other things? And let's be clear, it's okay to drink coffee and it's okay to go shopping and it's okay to have a phone, but we're all vulnerable to crossing this line and letting those things become unhelpful or even master us. So we're all vulnerable to being drawn again and again to certain sins and losing the freedom that Jesus died to give us. The writer to the Hebrews says, let's throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Those who are mature, effective disciples have learned to deal ruthlessly with sin so that it doesn't get that addictive grip on us. Now, Steve's going to help us understand how we can do that in practice. I've suffered from bulimia for over 20 years. Who can understand why someone would binge themselves with food and then make themselves sick? And I couldn't even understand it myself, but, but it just started and, and, it, and it happened. It became a way of coping with stress and, and with this lack of worth. Uh, it's a way of trying to control things, but somehow it gets out of control and it controls you. And, and it is a proper addiction. It's extremely difficult for, to, to break free from it. And uh, I remember going to doctors um, and being told, um, you will never be healed from this. I became a Christian two years ago. For me, the, the, the most important thing um, about being a Christian is identity. I used to believe uh, that I wasn't good enough, regardless of, of how much I, I tried. Um, however, I believe that not only I'm good enough for God, but I don't have to try, I don't have to do anything, I'm just loved. But at the moment it, it went really in, and I felt it in my heart, it's when something changed. I was different. I was um, behaving in a different way. I was reacting to things in a different way. Um, I was even thinking differently. And, uh, and all this thing about taking every thought captive, which I just wasn't able to, to do, um, I realised that, um, that it was possible. With bulimia it's been really interesting, but I realised it's just lies, and, and I know how it works now, so I've got times when I've 
go that dialogue there, trying to start and, and, and trying to um, get the, the ball rolling. Um, and I'm able to just discard that thought and carry on with life. Whereas before, even if I was aware that it was starting, I just couldn't stop it. It would just get me. Going from having episodes every day or every other day, um, or sometimes if, if I was going through a really good spell, maybe every other week, um, to just having had a couple this year, um, it's massive. Now, part of the fruit of the spirit is self-control. And that, it seems to me, is the very opposite of addiction. I've been thinking a lot about self-control. A little while ago, I became frustrated that that particular part of the fruit of the spirit wasn't as evident in my life as I would like it to be. And I set about trying to work out what it was in my belief system that wasn't quite right, so I could set about renewing my mind with stronghold busting. And as I thought about it, I realised that I'd become a little bit like the people Paul was addressing, who Mary mentioned earlier, who were saying, I have the right to do anything. See, as a young Christian, I grew up in an atmosphere where I felt I had to obey certain rules. And in more recent years, I think I finally come to understand something of the message of God's grace. I don't have to obey rules to please him. I am already pleasing to him because of Jesus. If I go wrong, it doesn't change who I am or my relationship with him, although it's still serious. But there really isn't any condemnation for me or shame. And I've understood that God isn't blessed when I do things for him just because I feel I have to. And honestly, it's been incredibly liberating for me to understand those amazing truths. But I started to wonder whether the pendulum was beginning to swing just a little bit too far the other way. And I wasn't paying enough attention to how I was living. And I came to realize that the real question with something, you know, food, alcohol, whatever, the real question is not so much, can you do such and such a thing? The real question is, the more significant question, can you stop? Can you stop? And I realized that there were just areas of my life that just got a little bit loose. And I was in, at least in danger of allowing myself to become a slave to sin again. None of that changed God's love for me or my identity, but it did mean, potentially, that the enemy could hold me back, that I wouldn't be as fruitful as my potential. And I thought very long and hard about what was the lie in my belief system that I wanted to address so I could create a stronghold buster. And I decided it was something like, it doesn't matter how I live. I mean, I, of course I knew it did matter how I live, but I think that was just what I wanted to get straight in my head. And let me share with you a couple of the verses that I found to put in my stronghold buster. Uh, Proverbs 25, 28, like a city whose walls are broken through is a person who lacks self-control. I found that quite a sobering illustration uh, that spurred me on in this. And then Paul says, don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one you obey, whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. Then he says, you used to be slaves to sin, and goes on to say, you've been set free from sin 
and have become slaves to righteousness. That's Romans 6, 16 to 18. And I realized, you know, I'm either a slave to sin or I'm a slave to righteousness. And it starts when you offer yourself to your master, to sin or to righteousness by saying in effect, by what you do, here you are sin or here you are righteousness, I give myself to you. And I also realized that in any area of our lives, at any given moment, we are either free or we are bound. We are slaves. Freedom is a thing that's like an on-off switch. You don't grow into freedom. You take possession of your freedom. And there's a great statement of fact in that passage, which is, you have been set free from sin. At any given moment, we no longer have to sin. I found a whole load of other passages too, and actually we put the whole stronghold buster I came up with in the participants guide, if you want to look at any more of those. But let me share with you and read to you the declaration and the prayer that I came up with. It was this, I refuse to believe the lie that it doesn't matter how I live. I speak out the truth that I am not my own because I was bought by Jesus at great price. I belong to Christ Jesus and having been set free from sin, am now a slave to righteousness. I have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. I have died with Christ to the elemental spiritual forces of the world. God has given me a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-discipline. My body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, I present myself now to obedience to God. And I present the parts of my body to God as an instrument of righteousness. By the Spirit, I put to death the deeds of the flesh. Even though I have the right to do anything, I refuse to let anything other than Jesus be my master. I declare that Jesus Christ is my Lord. I fan into flame the gift of God which is in me and choose to live by the Spirit so that I will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Then I got a bit more specific and it goes on. I choose to be disciplined in what I eat and drink, to exercise my body so that I may better serve my Lord, to be discriminating in what I watch on TV. And there's a little prayer. Lord God, please fill me afresh with your wonderful Holy Spirit and lead me in your ways throughout this day. Be glorified in your servant. Have your way in me. Amen. And I've been struck by something Jesus said. You know this very well, Matthew 5, 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. And part of renewing my mind in that area was telling myself, there really is nothing that gives me greater satisfaction than living a righteous life. It's not worth squandering that for anything else. Now, the tools that we are equipping you with on this course will help you deal with addictive behavior. They're the starting point. Uh, and I've heard so many stories of Christians walking away from even the most serious of addictions. 
I had a severe addiction. I smoked 20 cigarettes a day for years and years, sometimes more. And it was what I grabbed every time something painful or happy came into my life is what I went for. And I knew who I was in Christ. I knew I was significant. I knew I was clean. But then there was this smoking addiction. And it was like, come on, Rachel, you know the truth. You know all of this. What are you doing smoking? The scripture that was very important, and I felt it was very important, was to take every thought captive in obedience to Christ. How do you do that? How do you, you know, how do you do that verse? And he said to me so clearly, he said, Rachel, if you were in the British Army and you caught an enemy, you would never take the enemy home. You're in my army. Jesus is your commanding officer. So I want you to catch your thoughts and take them obediently to Jesus. And it was every thought. The scripture isn't take some thoughts captive. The scripture truly is to take every thought captive. I would be walking down the road and I'd walk past a shop and I'd have a memory start up and I would think, oh, right, Jesus, I'm taking that thought captive and I'm giving it to you obediently. And then I'd carry on walking. So it wasn't as if I had to do it every day until today. There was a, a chunk of time that I had to be that intense about it and then it wasn't necessary because my thoughts no longer made me think, where's my cigarettes? I have been completely free since, I don't know, 10, 10 years now maybe. I knew it was all about my mind rather than my will or my actions. I used my will to take my thoughts captive, not to stop smoking. That was the byproduct. When self-control came into it, it was not about resisting the temptation to have a cigarette because I don't think I could have resisted that because the pull to have a cigarette was so strong. How I used my will was to choose truth, to take every thought captive in obedience to Christ. Let me give you a little brief recap at this point on the course as to what we have been teaching you. Let me summarise it for you. We like to use three T's, truth, turning and transformation. And so it's about truth. The key to freedom is knowing the truth in your heart, not just your head. And most fundamental is knowing your new identity in Jesus. And it's especially important in this whole question of sin issues that we know that when we fall into sin, nothing changes. God doesn't come to us in anger and say, oh, you're a sinner. In fact, I like to picture him doing something like this. I like to picture him coming to me and saying, Steve, you are not a sinner. You're my child. You're a holy one. So why are you acting like a sinner? I love that. So if you follow Jesus, your fundamental identity is not in any way that of a sinner or a failure or an alcoholic or an addict. Your fundamental identity is as a holy one, a beloved child of God himself, no matter what is happening in your behaviour. And when you really know who you are, you will live accordingly. If you struggle with this, why not take a look at the list of who I am in Christ from session three and declare it out loud every morning for 40 days or until you really know that every one of those statements really does apply to you. So that was truth. Then the next T is turning. And when you sin, as we've learned, we give the enemy influence in our lives. He's able to hold us back. But it's straightforward to close the door you open to him and know that 
all is still well between you and God, and carry on. So doing the steps to freedom in Christ on a regular basis will help you keep short accounts with God and make sure the enemy just doesn't have that ability to hold you back. You don't have to do the whole thing. If you, know, if you fall in a particular area, just go and find the relevant prayer and, and do that. So truth and turning, and finally, transformation, which is what comes, of course, when we choose to renew our minds to God's word. It's absolutely crucial that on an ongoing basis, we are uncovering the lies that we believe. And in particular, we work out what is the lie that leads us into this sin all the time? What are we believing it will give us? And then we also need to work out the circumstances that trigger our vulnerability. And I'll speak a bit more about that in a minute. But then we can renew our mind using a stronghold buster. Now, these take time and effort, and they're absolutely worth it. Let me say to you, if you haven't already put one together and started using it, this very day would be a good time to start. See, these addictive behaviours, they follow a repeating pattern. I mean, by definition, that's what addiction is. Um, and these are known as habit loops. And what happens in a, in a habit loop is there is a trigger, some kind of trigger, a circumstance that gets that tempting thought process going in your mind and makes you feel particularly vulnerable to whatever your substance or action of choice is. And part of taking every thought captive is to work out what your particular habit loops look like and disrupt them by recognising a trigger thought for what it is and rejecting it. See, a trigger could be as simple as walking down the, the cookie aisle in the supermarket. Or it could be when we see some particular friends who always end up making us feel inferior. See, if we unthinkingly act on the trigger, it will lead to an action, such as buying the cookies or doing whatever you do, uh, it is your particular vulnerability. Um, and there's the, the trigger, there's an action, and there's a reward, and the whole loop just sits there waiting to go round and round again. So when you understand the triggers and you recognise them for what they are, you can plan a different course of action when they fire off. You could adjust your shopping habits so you never go down the cookie aisle or never go to that store. You could avoid the friends that you find difficult, at least for a period, perhaps. If gambling is your thing, you could go home another way to avoid the, the betting shop. Or you could find a more healthy way to get the reward that you're looking for. Phone a friend, put on music, do some exercise. And for me, um, it was helpful to understand that the trigger, really, for, for my issues is usually stress. Uh, that's what generally tends to lead me into a lack of self-control. So with God's help, and I'm still a work in progress, I've been working on rooting out some of the kind of stress in my life. Uh, it's involved not working quite so hard, you know, questioning, well, why do I feel a need to do that anyway? Building proper rest into my routine, taking more time to pray. Uh, I'll always be on that journey, I think. But in, in this whole area of these kind of sins that keep drawing us back, um, there are some other things. You know, having somebody that you can be accountable to can really help. Just confessing it in front of someone and then getting them to call you once a week, knowing that on a Friday you're going to get asked, so how are you doing in that area, is a great encouragement to 
keeping going. Um, churches now have access to great recovery groups and programmings. Many of them have got a Christian base. You know, we can get help. There are some fantastic accountability websites, especially with a big issue of porn. You can block, um, you can make sure that those, those nasty websites are blocked for you and someone else can, can look at what you've been doing online. There, there are things that can help. Um, we, we've made an extra film um, on addiction uh, that you can access on our website. So if you feel that you have an issue and you want to explore it further, if you have a family member or if there's someone in your church that has an issue and you want to know how to help, have a little look at that film. So our keys to take home that we recommend you look at from this session. Number one, God's rules and guidelines are for our good. Number two, we are free to choose, but our choices have consequences. Number three, God is blessed by people who obey him because they want to, rather than because they feel they have to. Four, we can get addicted to things that make false promises to meet our legitimate needs for security, significance, and acceptance. Five, we used to be slaves to sin, but Jesus has set us free so that any given moment we can choose not to sin. Six, applying the model of truth, turning, and transformation will help us resolve negative behaviors that seem to control our lives. And seven, becoming aware of our particular vulnerabilities and triggers and taking appropriate steps to reduce their effect is crucial. So in conclusion, let me remind you, you are now a slave to righteousness. Living a righteous life in the power of the Spirit of God is the only way we are truly going to be satisfied. But if and when you do fail, failure is an incident, not an identity. God is cheering you on He's loving you no matter how many times you slip. And yes, you are free to choose. I have the right to do anything, but not everything is beneficial. So I will not be mastered by anything. I believe as a church, we have a mandate from Jesus to see captives released. Just imagine what a huge positive effect there could be on healthcare around the world if we were able to help more people know that in Jesus Christ, they can recover their free will. They can escape from addiction and they can learn to make really good choices. In our next session, we're going to come at last to consider our physical bodies and how we can honour God in them. So look forward to seeing you then. <laughs> 